Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request Summer Series. Thank you so much for joining me. You know, in interviewing people, I found a lot of people that kind of run their own business. Uh, you know, you think of people like Leslie Bailey, who was on here, Lauren Carroll, Leah Carroll, uh, Elizabeth Clayton, so many people that I've had on here that run their own business. And I was wondering, like, what is that process? How do you get to that point? You know, you hear these stories of, oh, I was slumming and living on the streets and eating pizza out of the garbage can. And now I own New York. And you're like, wait, what? That's, that's crazy. What, how'd you do that? Um, and you don't really hear that in between, right? You hear A and Z, but you don't get the rest of the story. And that's where I wanted to dive in with people and find out, you know, like when did they realize that they had a marketable skill or talent? And what did that transition look like? You know, like what were your support systems between, uh, leaving your day job and, and starting this business and, you know, actually making a paycheck and then what kind of advice do they have? So this is great. I've learned so much and I'm, I'm very excited to pass this on to you guys. And these people are phenomenal. You're going to hear some familiar voices throughout the summer, uh, that you might recognize from some other episodes, but you're also going to hear some really new, unique, amazing voices and, and, and the things that they're doing. So I'm so excited to bring this to you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. My name is Stephanie Mojica. I'm a book development coach and book editor. And basically what I do is I help coaches, business owners, lawyers, other experts really become the go-to expert in their field by guiding them through writing and publishing a book. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to kind of get into some things and, and looking into some of your history with work and um, kind of where you got to where you're at today, you know, and what, what you're doing. If we can rewind and, and go back, like where, where did your initial interest in writing in general come into play? So yes, I was always a book person growing up. Uh, my grandmother, who is now deceased, was a writer. My mother writes. One of my step-grandfathers was a published author, etc. So I always grew up around books and writing and really started getting more into it about fourth grade and always knew I wanted to be a journalist or some kind of writer. So that's kind of how I got started. <laughs> fourth grade is an early time to, to uh, be like, mm -hmm. I know what I'm going to do. How, <laughs> I, I guess I have a few questions on that just because, uh, I mean, if I look back at all the different things I wanted to do from that point on, I don't think I accomplished any of them personally, but <laughs> um, like where, uh, where did you find that, that determination going through school to be like, no, this is like my interest content, like is continuing. Did you just always have that? It never waned or anything. You were always like books and write, like reading and writing was always something you were interested in. I mean, for the most part, I did briefly think about things like becoming an attorney, but that's just really hard to do. And <laughs> I can't see myself standing in a courtroom arguing with people especially yeah. when somebody's life and freedom are at stake so i think yes you know i briefly thought about things like being an attorney or being an accountant but no i always knew it was gonna have something to do with writing and books that is so that's a boring answer i'm sure but no it's just, it's, it's funny truth. well yeah no and that's great and it, i the thing that stuck out to me that is just the the attorney thing I, i've never thought of it I mean, it's, it's plainly obvious how you described it, but I never thought of that in like that 
pressure sort of way where, yeah, you're literally someone's life is in your hands standing in that courtroom. That's, uh, and like I said, it seems plainly obvious when I say it out loud, but I never, never gave a thought like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, do you get into journalism right out of, right out of high school? So yes, actually I started journalism when I was in high school. I was paid like a paid correspondent for some small local newspapers, uh, wrote for my high school newspaper, you know, things like that. Went to college for English and philosophy because there wasn't really a, well, we had journalism classes at the college I went to, but it wasn't really like a big journalism program. So yeah, I mean, just got into journalism in high school and college. Nice. And, and what did that, what did that look like? Um, like when was trying to think how to phrase this, like when was writing and, uh, and or journalism or copywriting, when did that become your career to some degree? I guess like, I guess as soon as I was in college, because like after my first year in college, I got an internship at a pretty large daily newspaper. And then actually I wound up getting a full-time job at a newspaper that came out twice a week. So I was still trying to do college and work full-time at a newspaper. So that's awesome. my path is like a little different from most people who become journalists, but that's just, again, it's just how it happened. It just yeah. started progressing. That's, I, I feel like a lot of people listening, if they ever want to, or wanted to go into that field, like that's, uh, there's gotta be a lot of envy right now. Cause that's, that's awesome that you were able to get that, like that ball rolling so early, uh, you know, instead of getting, you know, through school and, and all that stuff before you even get to get to the internship part, you know, right, right, so that, right. that's awesome. So that, I mean, that obviously it's going to set you on, on a pretty good path right there. Uh, and were you doing journalism in, in any way that like you had passion around or were you doing it? Like, I'm pretty excited that I even have this job sort of way. Like what, what kind of stuff were you covering then? And what did that transfer transition into down the road? Well, I mean, pretty much every newspaper I worked at, I worked at a lot of them during the 17 year career. I mean, small, tiny weekly, twice weekly papers to really large daily newspapers that the whole country knows about. I almost always wrote about crime, business and politics. Um, Some newspapers, I mainly focused on crime. Others, it was a mix. Some, they mainly wanted me to focus on local politics. So that's just kind of how that path worked out. Did you have any sort of background passion around those topics or was that what you were assigned when you started? I really, well, I was assigned at my first, at that internship, they basically said, you're going to be the crime reporter for this small town this summer. So I got into it. I always had an interest in law, like I said, so that was a natural interest. So yeah, I mean, I always had passion for it. I didn't necessarily always like some of the people I worked with, although most (laughs) of them were really awesome. I didn't like the fact that the hours were really long and the pay was really, really low. Yeah. And then the last few years I was in it with social media and everything, there was so much more pressure on us and there were fewer people to do more stuff with. So I kind of got to the point where I figured I was eventually going to get laid off because a lot of people in my industry who had been in it 20, 30 years were getting laid out, laid mm. off, bought out. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I need to try to change some of these side hustles because I always had side hustles like doing other kinds of writing, editing, coaching, teaching. Nobody cared as long as it wasn't for one of their competitors. And we didn't really talk about it out loud a lot, but people knew. Yeah. Every, some people had to have 
you really had to have a second job, especially if you had a family. I didn't, but I had a lot of student loans. <laughs> so I just finally decided, I think it was 2014. I was not happy at the last paper I was working at. It was a really toxic work environment. It was actually a pretty rare situation. And I was just like done. That's a, I mean, that you got to have quite a unique perspective in that way, uh, coming up in the newspaper business in the, in the age and the rise of social media, like that's, that's gotta be fascinating at first and like slowly transition to frightening. Right. Especially when you start seeing these veterans that are losing their jobs because the, the demand is going down. Well, like I started off like in 98 and I remember that my grandfather's friend who was a big publisher of like a, you know, Tribune company, he newspaper, he told my grandfather, they called it new media then. He said, new media is going to put your granddaughter out of a job. She might want to go do something else. And I just ignored it because we were barely on the internet in 1998. I think I was on in 95 and that was early for a lot of people. And they just started having things like AOL, you know, America online chat rooms, and they didn't have Twitter and all that yet. But this guy was like new media. That's what they called it. Then it's going to take it over. And sadly he was right. And there's a lot of advantages and disadvantages of that, you know, because you can literally just put anything out there on social media and call it news. As we've learned a lot the last <laughs> five years. Um, yes, we really have. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, and, and that's what a crazy foresight to have in 98. And I mean, like you, I, I was I was all about AOL, like starting in 95. I, I was doing all that stuff. Uh, and even then, like, and I, uh, you know, I was a teenager, but it, I don't I don't think I ever looked at the Internet as a news source. Uh, I mean until probably like mid 2000s like you know and and i I lived out in la so i would get the la times occasionally and then when i moved back Mm -hmm. to i'm in michigan and when i moved back here there was all my local paper i still have a with the oakland press which is our local paper like i i subscribe to them and um it's crazy to think about somebody to any degree having foresight in 98 I mean, like this stuff's going to put us out of business. That's nuts to me. Right. Um, yeah. It was kind of strange yeah. because I wouldn't have believed yeah, him either. <laughs> we, 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 you know, we were still using the dial up internet where it's like, yeah. make a loud noise. You know, <laughs> cell phones were just starting to come out and I don't think I had one at a job until 2002. And it was yeah. one of these really big ones. Yeah. And we were still like printing, you know, things and cutting and paper them on you know big walls of paper so to yeah. me it just seemed bizarre <laughs> yeah that's crazy anyway so I, I, was, I was like 90s stuff uh i have a whole 90s pop card i mean you might be able to see i got a bunch of 90s stuff in the background there. Oh, okay <laughs> I, so I, I could branch off on 90s stuff like aol for hours i'm not going to do that though <laughs> okay um so when you uh when you're you're coming out of the like newspaper business uh, and you're, you're doing all these side hustles. When do you realize that you have like a marketable skill or talent that you, you think like, I can, I can just do this. Like my brand can just be me. When, when does that happen? Well, I mean, I was doing that a little bit before I left, but yeah, I mean, I quickly realized, especially through websites like Upwork, Guru, People Per Hour, that I could get work pretty quickly, and I did, but 
it wasn't necessarily the best paid work in the world, but I had freedom and I was making as much or a little more than I was making the newspaper business. But then the last couple of years, I've really shifted away from those sites and really just trying to do my own marketing, my own branding, et cetera, focus more on the coaching, the teaching. And um, yeah, but it's been a journey for sure. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up Upwork. I've recommended this to a lot of people. Um, uh, you know, as not not as a permanent source of income, but it's a nice. If you have any writing or copywriting skills, like it's it's a great resource to do that side hustle. And, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't hear that mentioned very often. And I think it's, uh, I think it's a good resource. Uh, like, but like you said, I now, think it's, yeah, no, I think it's great for people who are like you know starting off or yeah. want to get away from a job or have a side hustle. I think especially now there it's so saturated. It's a race to the bottom and it's really hard to get good pay on there. So that was yeah. kind of another reason I just started transitioning away from that. Yeah. All right. You know that I am a fierce advocate for therapy. All right. Let's face it. This whole show does not exist without the leaps and bounds that I've been able to make in therapy. And that's why I am so proud to have better help sponsor this show. Ask yourself this question. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Or is, is preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, I've spent time in therapy learning to rein in my need for external validation, and it's a big need. Uh, but BetterHelp will assess your needs, match you with your own licensed professional therapist, maybe even me one day. Uh, and there is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's like 15,000 plus counselor network. That's a lot of counselors, which may not be locally available in many areas. You know, they did a whole report on this. And it's available for clients worldwide. So when you sign up, you can start communicating within 48 hours. And then if you're like me, you know, are you getting those random light bulb moments like I do? You're laying in bed and you're like, oh, uh, well, with BetterHelp, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule your weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy. And guys, I know that waiting room awkwardness. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. No more awkward therapist breakups if you and your counselor aren't a match. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash friend request. That's BetterHelp and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for my friends out there, my friend request listeners, if you will. You get 10% off your first month of counseling when you visit BetterHelp.com slash friend request. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friend request. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. I, I want to transition a little bit to the, the book developing and, and what you're doing for coaches and okay. entrepreneurs, okay. CEOs. Uh, okay. that, when do you start doing that? Like uh, when you, when you, when do you start? I, I mean, I never heard of that. And then when I, I was reading about what you're doing and I was watching the video, kind of like how you were proposing what you do. And I was like, that's kind of genius. Um, so was that something that people have always been doing and, or, and you just got into the business or what does that look like? Well, I've always like, you know, like I said, I think I, 
I've, I've edited books, you know, as side hustles or for people I knew for like 24 years. And I've coached and taught people through various stages of writing, including books. But, you know, I got a coach last year. I mean, I've had coaches before, but I got a business coach last year and really just started exploring and seeing what the needs were. And I know a lot of coaches a lot of people are really trying to stand out in that field and a book is a great way to do it. Also, I find coaches, executives, et cetera, don't sit there and argue as much about the money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my rates are pretty good, but you know, when I'm talking with somebody who just says, Oh, I want to write a book and you tell them that the program is three fifty a month or whatever, they start thinking, how many hours is that taking her to serve me? And, (laughs) Yeah. You know, they start getting really antsy, but I just find, and that, and because I'm also in a, I, I'm in a group coaching program as a participant, I just find that a lot of people that I know and work with are coaches, consultants, and like I said, I have background with attorneys. Yeah. So it just kind of makes sense. So I'm curious, you brought this up, and, and this has come up a few times on my podcast throughout different interviews and with myself, because, you know, I'm a creative, I, I do music, and I write, and um, how did you determine and then speak confidently about uh, your value, essentially, right? Like, how, when you have to pick a price to tell people for your work, when you have to, like, put the monetary value on what you can bring to the table, how, do you, how did you decide that and then, uh, you know speak confidently to it well like i said i have a coach i've had to have help because yeah especially as somebody as a creative i think the creative professions are extremely undervalued i never hear of a doctor a plumber a lawyer being asked to do something for free you know like you know you get those free tests you know somebody on upwork for example wants you to give them a free test article or you know oh i need this favor you doctors, lawyers, plumbers, <laughs> I'm sure it happens occasionally, but they don't get that the way creatives do. Yeah. So I think it's a challenge. I think it has to do with basically I have to be, be willing to let that person go. It, it also has to do with the energy. If I'm feeling desperate for money, that doesn't help. And I think people can read that. So I just figured there's, it, it's, it's a process. Like I said, I've had help with it. I just, this is what, and it's not even what I'm worth. It's yeah. like, what's that result worth to them? What's yeah. it worth to coach to have a book published? And, you know, she, he, they, whatever you want to call that person is able to get more speaking engagements, is drawing more leads to their website, is getting interviewed in not just podcasts, but on national TV. I've had some clients have that happen to them, Mm. you know? And one of my coaches was telling me recently, you know, those big events where you get all these big gurus up on the stage and stuff when we don't have COVID, (laughs) they're starting to, because so many people are calling themselves experts now, they're starting to require things like a published book. It doesn't have to be through like a traditional publisher. You can self-publish it, but they're requiring things like that to show this person's in it for the long haul and knows what they're talking about. So I just think it's, you know, it's more about, what's the value of it to them. And that's the reason I enjoy working with coaches, entrepreneurs, et cetera, because they don't 
they get that a little better. You yeah. know, everybody's at a different level, but people tend to get it better. They think of it as an investment, not, oh, I'm paying her for X number of hours yeah, to get yeah. this done. Yeah, I mean, and that's a great way to look at it. Um, I think another thing people don't understand is you're not just paying for somebody's time. Yeah. You're paying for their expertise, all the years of yeah. education, experience. Well, I, I'm wondering now uh, your transition from your normal daily job to working on your own. Um, what does that transition look like? And like, what are your support systems in place, whether that be personally or financially while you're building your own business and leaving your, your day job? Well, I mean, I didn't do this in the best way. I don't recommend this, but I, one day I just got really tired and quit my day job. I had some Been there. savings. <laughs> I had some clients. I kind of knew, and this probably sounds like, you know, white North American privilege. I kind of knew if I got in trouble, I could call my mother or somebody yeah, for yeah. help. So I knew I wasn't going to end up on the street. So I just did it. I don't recommend that, especially if you don't have those backups in place. I really don't, but that's just what I did. Yeah, that's the, that's the reality of it. And, you know, I, I'm glad you said that because a lot of people try to uh... – I don't know, cover up that they have that support system, right? Like in their family. And, and it is, I did that for years. I quit jobs all the time. Cause I knew like, you know, I'm not going to end up on the streets. Worst case scenario, I can just move back home or whatever that looks like. And right, exactly. that's that like, that's a reality I think is worth mentioning. So I'm, I'm glad you did. Um, and so how long is that time period? Do you think from when you quit your job to when you're bringing enough, enough income to where, you're just doing your own thing for the most part i think it was maybe a month but there are well not right now but there were some months where things were really slow yeah. and i see now it's because i wasn't continuously marketing i was just focusing on the clients in front of me assuming that they would stick around and some of them have i've had some clients for 20 years like you know oh. for publications like i still do some freelance work especially for real estate magazines but yeah it's just it's it was feast or famine yeah but now that i'm more consistently marketing on social media including clubhouse have various networks have a lot of referrals etc it's doing um you know it's it's not inconsistent i mean i might have like a twelve thousand dollar month and a six thousand dollar month but that's pretty good <laughs> yeah so um, th yeah, no objection there. Um, I'm wondering if, if this is something that you've ever even had to deal with being like, have you know, you mentioned fourth grade is when you're like, I started to be like, mm -hmm. I like writing and reading. Um, yeah. have you ever dealt with any form of like imposter syndrome or feeling like, I don't know if I belong in this marketplace? I think anybody who says they don't deal with imposter syndrome either has a really, really huge ego or is being dishonest. I still feel that not necessarily about my writing because I am pretty confident about my writing and yeah. editing. I feel that some on social media, especially some of these sites like Instagram where you get these really polished, perky, perfectly made up size eight women yeah. in bathing suits calling themselves business coaches. I don't understand how these connect together. And, you know... <laughs> some of it, I think, some of the social media stuff, I think, 
honestly, and I'm just going to say this, and I don't usually say things like this, but I feel comfortable. I think some people, especially women coaches, are getting sales because of how they look. Hmm. And it really, it bothers me. Because just because she's sexy and in a bathing suit, and I see girls buying stuff too, doesn't mean that she knows what she's talking about. She very well may, yeah. but I think there's a lot of focus on like show business yeah. on a lot of these social media videos. Yeah, and it is a weird place I'm to not, come I'm from. Not cra- I'm not crazy about it. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird place to come from to advertise uh, your your professional experience <laughs> in a bathing suit. Um, so yeah. I definitely get that. But then I have then I have to remind myself, well, if somebody's looking for like, you know, sexy business coach, that's not <laughs> me and I wouldn't want that client. But it's frustrating because I do see people that really aren't saying much of value, but because of how they look, they're getting like thirty, forty, fifty thousand, you know, followers yeah. really fast. And I see their screenshots where they're selling like, you know, their mini course you know thousands of dollars and it's very frustrating and i'm not trying to say that, that course doesn't have value yeah but i just really think and i think it says a lot about our society as a whole i just i think i'm just one of those people i just think it's more important what you do than how you look <laughs> but as a woman i do i just have to admit that that's a reality <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I hear you. I, I don't disagree with that at all. It's take, it's taken a, a bad turn on social media in general, but I could, I could go down that yeah. rabbit hole for quite a while. Oh, I could um, too. I mean, there's <laughs> great things about it. I mean, I've connected with so many awesome people and that's what I like about clubhouse where we met. Yeah. I mean, there's some of that definitely, you know, because you can see profile pics, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. People present themselves in certain ways, but I think there's more focus on what people are saying. Yeah. And, and that's, I than, think, a, than, than how they're looking or, you know, if they have this fancy, sexy background and all, yeah. you know, like I've seen people with five, six lights and that's yeah. cool, but I'm, I'm not a movie <laughs> studio. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I, I completely agree because, because the audio format, you know, I do, I do one of two things on, on clubhouse. I'm either in a, podcast room or i'm in a sobriety room because i quit drinking oh, okay. a couple years ago and oh congratulations and, thank you uh and you can tell in those podcast rooms like when the host is full of shit <laughs> like you can you can hear it uh the the answers are kind of wishwashy and inconcise and mm-hmm. and if you want you can dive a little deeper into their social media presence and be like i don't know like if you if you're qualified to be giving advice on this stuff because you're not doing super hot yourself, like there's there is the opportunity, yeah. there is the opportunity for a, a lot of a lot of that. Uh, and don't get me wrong, a lot of people live by the you know fake it till you make it thing, and that and that's fine if that works for right. you. And I've definitely gone down that road a little bit here and there, but mm-hmm. uh, you know. It, it, sometimes it, you can smell the bullshit. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, there's been rooms like that. So right now I'm trying to focus mainly on the podcasting rooms, the yeah. writing rooms. And when I need a break, I'll go to like some of the travel rooms. 
uh, because at the beginning I was going to various rooms about how to do this on Instagram, how to do this on LinkedIn. And there are some great people that did give me great tips that worked, but then there were people who I could tell did not know what they were talking about or given advice to get you kicked off the platform. I think it's just important to like, you know, and there's rooms about this now. It's important to like Google somebody, especially before you start spending money with them, because there are fakes, not just on Clubhouse, but everywhere. I yeah. think it's easier on Clubhouse to fake because you can just say something really exciting out loud and people might just r- go run to that link. At least on Instagram or something, you can usually see how many followers they have. There's yeah. a link. So I think it's just, but all social media has advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. Thinking about um, the audience now, the listeners, if there's people that, that are either in your field or just looking to do something um, that they're you know passionate about, good at, but kind of afraid or, or hesitant about that next step, I mean, what advice do you have for people that are in that position? So it's a great question. If you're at a job, I would definitely start exploring things before you leave that job. <laughs> so you can go to like, depending on your skill, and it could be anything. It doesn't have to be like writing or art. It could be something technical. Maybe you're a really good video or audio editor or, you know, have some skills with building a website or an app. So I would go to a site like Upwork or Guru or People Per Hour, make a profile always remember to focus on your what you can give to the client i and i've done this myself i've seen so many profiles where it's like i'm so and so i've done such and such and such and such and such and such and the client doesn't give a crap you know i'll just be honest (laughs) you know they want to know what's in it for them they want to know that you're going to do a good job you're not going to screw it up you're not going to rip them off because even i've been ripped off so you know there you go. Don't fall for a bunch of crazy promises. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's great advice. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's kind of all I got. Where, uh, where can people find you and, and, and learn more about what you're doing? So if people would like to learn more about me, you can get a, actually a complimentary copy of my ebook, Three Things You Must Know Before Writing Your Book. That's at gettheirattentionnow.com forward slash book get their attention now.com forward slash book you can check me out on clubhouse uh that's that's all i got stephanie i, I mean i appreciate you taking the time out Thank you. and and some really thoughtful answers there i appreciate it and i hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and i'll probably see you in the clubhouse room pretty soon here all right thank you thank you have a good day you too all right, bye bye